Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're so glad that you're here with us today. We're thankful for those who are joining us online. We just wrapped up a series uh, in, in the book of Nehemiah, a short series, and we're going to begin another short series where we talk about uh, revitalization and the church. We kind of live in these interesting times when Christianity seems to be on the decline. And so what can we do about this? as a movement to sort of address these issues. And we want to begin with a question, and that question is, what does it mean to live in a secular world? And this is a question that deserves contemplation. It is the question that drove Charles Taylor to write his magnum opus, A Secular Age. And it's not enough to identify the culture as secular. We need to spend time thinking about what that means. And what does it mean for Christianity? What does it mean for humanity? Christianity is in decline in America, if you look at all the statistics and everything. And this is not the only time that that something like this has, has happened. We may think that, but it's not. History is comprised of periods of faithfulness and periods of unbelief. Even in America, we have had our ups and downs. We've had two well-documented movements of revitalism, the First Great Awakening and the Second Great Awakening. And so America needed to be revived spiritually, first in the 1700s and then again in the 1800s, because faith had waned among the population. We should not be surprised by this at all. We find the same thing in Scripture. We find ups and downs. The whole book of Judges is the same cycle over and over again. The people of God believe and all goes well. And this is followed by a period of unbelief and disobedience that leads to trouble. We should be concerned by what we are seeing, but we should not panic because it has happened before. In considering the secular age in which we live and how it influences us, we need to know that human beings are spiritual beings. And so we have a spirit within us. And we were created by God for a purpose. We are created by God with certain needs. And what this means is that even in a secular culture, a period of unbelief, we will still seek what we were designed to seek. We will still worship something, even if that something is not God. We will still find identity in something, even if that something is not Christ. We will still seek out a community, even if that community is not the church. And so God gives us what we need, but if we don't follow God, we're going to seek out what we need from other sources in the culture. And, what we're, and we're seeing all this in our world today. And what is concerning is that in some cases, the world is doing a better job than the church. The world is outdoing us in areas where we should be more proficient. Blaming the world or the culture for the decline of Christianity in America doesn't do us any good. If all we do is blame, 
the church is going to continue to decline and we will have done nothing to address the problem itself. We will leave the church worse off than when we first became a part of it. Instead, we need to consider where it is we have fallen short and perhaps where we have failed. And we need to work to address problems and do what we can to make things better. If we go back to Nehemiah, we need to build. So over the next few weeks, we're going to do exactly this. We're going to reflect on how to revitalize the church so that we will have a future here in LaGrange and that we will continue to make an impact on this community for years and years to come. And so if we're going to become a revitalized church that makes a difference, the first thing we need to know is we need to have a strong sense of identity. And scripture has a lot to say about identity. But this is also an issue that has grown in significance in our culture. In in previous years, in the past, people did not really think much at all about identity. Your citizenship, your religion, your occupation, most of that was decided at birth. And so you had little or no say on who you would become. And what we've done is we've moved from one extreme to another. And identity now is an obsession in our culture. It's being talked about everywhere. And even something like gender, which is biologically determined before birth, is now something that we've just said people can decide. And not only that, we've invented new genders that have never existed in thousands of years of human history. You can choose. Why is this? Why, why have we felt the need at this moment in time to, to, to question things such as uh, question things that we have known through our bodies and, and, and invent new ways of describing ourselves? Well, the answer is our obsession with autonomy and identity. And, and we see it everywhere we look. It, it's the philosophy of our age. And we hear it in sayings like, you be you, or discover your true self. Those sayings would have meant absolutely nothing to people in the past. They would have been confused by them. But we live in a culture that is constantly evangelizing us to choose an identity. And it's worked. We've bought into it. We've embraced the philosophy And we have chosen who we want to be. Identity is essential, but we are asking the wrong question. And so our culture is obsessed with this question, who am I? And this is the question that we get asked over and over again. And we may answer it, but then we don't find the satisfaction that we were seeking. And so what happens is we try to answer it again and we just keep changing our identity. And we live in this ever-evolving world of identity where nothing seems to satisfy. And again, it's because we're asking the wrong question. Instead of, who am I? We should be asking, whose am I? To whom Do I belong? The problem with our culture is that we keep looking within for identity when we should be looking without. 
Identity is not found within ourselves. Identity is found in God. He is our creator. Identity is found in Christ. He is the image of God. He is who we should be. He is what humanity should look like. A revitalized church knows who they are. And they will know to whom they belong. And they will not look for identity where the well is dry. Now the problem is that many groups and organizations in our culture have a stronger sense of identity than we do. We have the truth when it comes to identity, but we are losing the battle. And these other groups understand what is at stake. They, they know the importance of having a person identify as one of them. And then they know once a person identifies as one of them, they're going to find meaning and, and value as a person within that group. And we see this everywhere we look. Uh, just a few examples. We see it with sexuality. In the past, sexuality was always something you did. It was a practice, whether good or bad. It is only in modern times that we have turned it into an identity. Many people, especially men, I'm, I'm sorry for this, but um, uh, it, it, uh, yeah, Texas did their best. But um, many people, especially men, find their identity in sports. And so it's what they wear, it's what they talk about, it's where they spend their time and their money. And there are many men in this culture who would be lost without sports. They would struggle to have basic conversations because so much of who they are is found in the sports that they enjoy to watch. Politics is no longer about making informed judgments and doing one's civic duty. It's now become where people find their identity. And so people can dress in their favorite political logos. It's what people post and share online. How many people do you know whose political affiliation is obvious, but other than that, you know very little about them? You may not know where they go to church, or you may not know what their hobbies are. Their identity is found in politics. We also see it in what people wear and what people put on their bodies. Again, in the past, we never placed messages on our bodies or on our clothing, but now it's common to do so. We want to send a message. We are eager to tell people, this is who I am. And again, all of this is tied to identity. And when we think about all of these examples and others, there's nothing wrong with a lot of them. Sexuality is healthy and good within, uh, uh, when practiced in the confines of marriage. Sports are fun and enjoyable and a great way to bond with others. Being aware of what happens locally and nationally and voting in elections is a fine thing to do. There's nothing wrong with tattoos. That's not the message I'm sending. Or, or, or even wearing clothing that advertises a product. But it is good to ask, why are we doing this? What's the reason behind it? And what is problematic is when these things become our identity. It's when our identity is more about sexuality, sports, politics, appearance, or anything else 
rather than Christ. And too often, the culture is winning the battle when it comes to identity. The culture says, you are your own. Go discover who you are. Scripture says, you are not your own. And we may not like that, but that's what Scripture says. And there are many passages about identity in the Bible, but it's this one that really speaks to the times in which we live. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Our culture says there are no limits. Ignore all boundaries and live however you want. This, by the way, has not led to greater happiness. It's not helped people find more meaning. Scripture says there are limits. And living within these limits will lead to flourishing. Our culture says that we are to look within to find ourselves. Scripture says that we are to look without. We are to look to God to find ourselves. What will we find within ourselves besides more questions? God is the only one who has the answers that we seek. And it's this passage that gets to the heart of the debate in our culture. Are we all autonomous beings who are free to do whatever we like as we seek to find ourselves? Is that true? Or do we belong to God? And is our true purpose and meaning found by seeking him? And and those are two very different philosophies and two very different ways of living. What else does scripture say about identity? Well, Jesus addresses identity and it's called to discipleship. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Again, our identity is not found by looking within. It's found by denying ourselves, by picking up a cross and following Jesus. And it's the cross of Christ that informs who we are and informs our purpose in life. It's that cross and that person on the cross who gives us meaning. Galatians 2.20, this is what Paul lives out. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Where does Paul find his identity? It's not within. It's not in the clothes he wears. It's not in the car he drives. It's not in the sports team he roots for. It's not in the politician that he supports. It is in Christ and Christ alone. And Jesus is so much a part of his identity that he says that that he himself no longer lives. That his self, his personal identity, that has been crucified and it's now Jesus who lives in him. 
And those are some of the foundational passages, but, but there are others as well. There's Colossians 2, 8 through 10. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him, who is the head of every ruler and authority. Here again is a passage that speaks to us today. There are many things that are vying for our identity. Many things that are vying for our allegiance. Don't be taken captive by them. We come to fullness in Christ and nowhere else. It's Christ who makes us whole. And if we're seeking after anything else, we're going to be incomplete. We're not going to find that satisfaction that we seek. And we could go on and on. But the point is, Scripture has much to say about identity. God wants us to know where our identity is found. And this is important because we find meaning and purpose in our identity. And so wherever we seek identity uh, in anyone or anything, if it's other than Christ, then we're missing out. We are believing in lies that our culture is feeding us. Groups and movements that thrive have a strong sense of identity. And we see this in our culture. We, we, we see people pushing identity. And it's one of the reasons that we are so fractured as a nation. We are a nation of multiple identities. And many of these identities are opposed to one another. And these groups understand that if they can get you to change your identity and embrace theirs, then they have you. We, the church, have the answers to identity. But we have not been nearly as good at promoting identity as groups in our culture. Even worse, sometimes Christians have embraced other identities that have competed with their identity in Christ. And so, as Christianity faces decline in America, we must have a strong sense of identity. If people cannot find identity when they become a part of a church, then they are going to look elsewhere and they will be swallowed up by the culture. So, let me leave you with three points here as to what we need to do, what we can build A strong church, a vibrant church, knows who they are. They know to whom they belong. Identity has to be a priority. Christianity is not a social club. It's not simply a set of morals or guidelines. It's not a free ticket into heaven. Christianity is who you are. It's number one on the list. You are a Christian before you are a spouse. You are a Christian before you are a parent. You are a Christian before you are a fan or a member of a political party. And we say these things because we know they are true. We know this is what God wants. But none of it matters unless we live it. And so we must fully embrace our identity in Christ and all the blessings that come with it. When you think deeply about identity, um, identity demands someone else in the equation. 
And so it demands an identifier. If we're all alone, if I'm just by myself, then identity does not matter. It only matters in community. It only matters when there are others to identify us. And so, for instance, we wear clothing or we post on social media for others to see that. And so I say all that to ask this question. What do people see when they look at you? What is your identity? And if you don't know, ask a few people. Ask them to name, you know, what, what are three things about me? Where's Christianity on that list? Does it even make the list? Because we're sending a message to people at all times. We're sending it by what we wear and what we do and what we talk about and what we post and all this stuff. We don't have to wear a t-shirt or a ball cap, but people should be able to know that we're Christian. They should be able to know it because it's who we are. They should know it because it's in Christ where we find our identity. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. A vibrant church knows who they are, but they also are aware that there are imposters. And so, again, we, we live in this world of competing identities. These, these other identities will swallow up our Christian identity if we allow it to happen. And, and this can even happen to an entire church. There are woke churches, and there are Christian nationalist churches, and there are even things as innocent as a cowboy church. And, and what these churches have done is they have embraced another identity and they've infused it with their Christian identity. A thriving church will not be a cultural church because cultural churches may do well for a little while, but they will eventually die as soon as the culture changes. Thriving churches will be aware that there are imposters and they're going to find their identity in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And so a vibrant church knows who they are, they are aware of imposters, and finally they are not ashamed of Jesus. Romans 1.16 states, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We live in a culture where it is cool to be anything you want unless that thing is a Christian. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't hide your Christian identity under a bushel. In a culture like ours, we need to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Jesus gives us advice as he sends his disciples out, and it's an advice that we need to embrace as well. We're not to be jerks for Jesus. We're not to go around condemning everyone and everything we see. But neither are we to hide who we are. We don't have to advertise our position on every moral and cultural issue. But neither are we to back down or make excuses when it comes up. We need to feel comfortable in our identity. We have nothing to be ashamed about. Our identity is not given to us by the world. 
It's given to us by God. And because of this, it's something that cannot be taken away. The world we live in is lost and confused. People are confused about who they are. In times past, uh, people face things like famines and wars. And our time is different. We, we live in a time of plenty. People's lives in America are, are more comfortable physically than they've ever been. We have it very, very good. Why then are we so unsatisfied? It's because we face a different crisis. We face a spiritual crisis. We face a crisis of identity. And people are spending all kinds of money just trying to figure out who they are. Companies and organizations and movements and groups are trying to sell us an identity. And there are many people who are just lost in all this mess. And what we need to do, first and foremost is to embrace our Christian identity. Let people see that we have found purpose and meaning in Christ. Let people see that we don't need all the fraudulent identities that people keep chasing after. And we also need to let people know that this identity, this meaning, this purpose that gives us comfort, it can be theirs as well. It's for anyone who wants to embrace it. And this is the message that we need to share with anyone who's willing to listen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you uh, this morning and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your presence here in this assembly. And Father, As you know, we live in difficult times, and this is not anything new. Your people have often lived in difficult times and found ways to live and thrive. I pray that you'll be with us. I pray that we will be a people who know who we are, a people who find their identity in Christ and Christ alone, and that others will see this, and that others will be curious, and that others will ask us, about this identity, ask us about where they can find meaning and purpose, and that we will be willing to share the good news of Jesus with them. Be with us, Father, as we strive to be Christ in this community. We pray all this in his name. Amen.